Hello everybody, it's me Ross and welcome back to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Tractor Girls Talk podcast. I'm joined as ever by my co-host and town woman skipper Blue Wilson. And again Blue, I always look at you when I do my intro and you just got a nice little smile on your face just waiting to see if I butcher the intro in some sort of fashion. But luckily I did it this week. Um, how are you and how's your rehab getting on as always? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks Ross. Um, I think I smile because I don't know why, I just find it a bit funny. You're not too bad on retakes. It's normally first time. Um, but yeah, rehab's been good. I think it was good to see. I'm sure lots of people saw on Twitter that and Instagram that Sophie Feskett is now running on the grass, which is great to see, um, especially just after our pod. So that, you know, might have given her a bit of luck. Um, but yeah, no, my rehab's going well. Um, running in a really good place. So yeah, just keeping it, ticking it along. Um, but yeah, still a long way to go. How's your week been? It's been okay. It's been okay. And I'm um, looking forward to the end of the season now. The, you know, it's been a long season for us all, for the men's team, for the women's team. Um, looking forward to the summer. But yeah, all good. Um, looking forward to this podcast because we have a special guest, a man that I've been wanting to get on the podcast for a while. I shall let you introduce who, who is joining us this week. Yeah, so our special guest this week, um, assistant town manager, um, has been here 18 months now. Um, we've made an impact, massive impact. So yeah, we've got um, Charlie Baxter with us. How are you doing, Charlie? Uh, I'm good. Uh, hi, both. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It has been something that I've been looking forward to doing. So I'm, I'm grateful that you finally got me on. Yeah, we've been wanting to pick your brains for a while to talk about your career. Let the sort of listeners and the fans sort of get to know Charlie a bit more. And that's what we're going to get into later on in the podcast. But let's talk about the final home game of the season, unfortunately, ending in a defeat. Blue. Oxford United came to town and sadly they've done a double over us. Um, a 1-0 defeat at the Gold Star. First reflections on that one. Yeah, not ideal. Obviously we were going into the game wanting to to finish second um, and obviously the, the loss to Oxford uh, massively impacted that. But I, I actually think looking at the game, there was passages of play where which were really good given the pitch situation. Um, so yeah, it was the sort of second, first and second third were decent, especially the second third, the midfield. I think the build-up play was really good, um, but it was just that connection between the second, third, third, which is most crucial um, if we want to score goals. So that just was lacking a bit, so not much chance of cre- creation. Um, but yeah, I think a fair result would have been a draw, but um, small margins for us. Yes, indeed. And Charlie, um, as a coach reflections on the game um, as a whole and then we'll get into other bits and bobs that happened during the game but overall thoughts my friend um yeah it's never nice to lose a game um but i think credit where credit's due oxford have actually in my opinion done a really really good job this season in terms of competing in the league and and i think some people at the start of the season were thinking it was going to be a two horse race but credit to the oxford uh, the players and the staff there they've made sure that they've been in the conversation as well so we can't we can't sort of not recognize that so they are a good team in their own right and i think if we put the lens back on ourselves just for a second i think perspective is really important when we talk about these sort of games um oxford used to be a championship team um, they've been part of the women's pyramid towards the top end for, for some years. OK, they've not been a WSL team, but they've had a very good uh, good youth pathway. Um, they're in a good catchment area for player recruitment. Um, and they've got more experience than we do as a club. And, and you look at their team as well, more experience as a whole as 
our group of players do. And I think when you look at that, you have to take a step back and say, we're still new to this league as a team, as a, as a group of staff, some of us. And you have to understand that when we are as young as we are and we had such a great start, momentum and consistency is really, really difficult to maintain at these levels. And I think the more experience we have of doing that, the better we'll be as a team moving forward. And that's where teams like Oxford, they've been in that position before. So they know how to potentially navigate a season better than us at the minute. But um, yeah, I think like Blue said, I think the performance from the girls was, was really, really encouraging. And I think it's really exciting to see what journey we're on and where we're going with the group that we've got. Indeed, well said as always, my friend. And Blue, um, it was what I expected, a cagey start, a scrappy start. Um, of course, the surface doesn't help, but we've always chatted about this all season long at the Gold Star and other grounds you know, we've spoken about. won't mention Milton Keynes-Dons. Um, but yeah, it's a surface I'm sure the players are now getting used to playing on, but it, it doesn't always bring the most prettiest of football because it is so hard. Yeah, really dry, um, really, really dry. So it's almost like playing on concrete, um, not a lot of like the moulds going in. Um, so the ball's bouncing around and I was watching during the warm-ups, uh, I think uh, LJ might have kicked the ball back to Sarah as the keepers were pract- uh, keepers warm- warming up and the ball is just bobbling like crazy. And if I'm, I'm Sarah, I mean, she has more nerve than me, but I'm close to the goal there. Like if, if that bobbles over me, it's, it's in. Um so, yeah, not ideal. I think we're all aware of that. But same for both teams. Um, I think we played some pretty good stuff, considering. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those where you're training at Playford, where it's a carpet, and then come into Felixstowe, and it's a bit bit more different. But we dealt with it, um, and we'll have to continue to deal with it, for sure. Yeah, and I felt we're, second half was maybe a better game to watch, Charlie, you know, overall. Um, but once again, I just didn't think we created many clear-cut chances. We were creating chances, we are getting down the wings, but, you know, I'm sure our fans were just getting frustrated. We just couldn't get those clear-cut chances. Yeah, I think I think if we're reflecting on the season, that's maybe in some ways been apparent since the start of the season. I think, look, I think we're a difficult team to beat. I'd say that we're certainly a difficult team to beat. And we do have some exceptional talent in forward areas as well. But for whatever reason this year, we just haven't been able to get it to click yet. And obviously there's been some games where we have, it has clicked and and you can see what we can do in and around the uh, opponent's box and the the ability and the the type of finishes that that our forward players and even our, our, you know, more offensive midfielders have. But like I said, consistency and we've got to find a way to consistency uh, consistently do that uh, going into next season uh, because I think that's the that's probably the missing link to to being a more complete and well-rounded team for us and our development yeah and um, blue sucker punch at the end um, a great goal to be fair to the Oxford player um, I think that's what was going to be the big moment in the game was just someone to come out and score an absolute wouldn't call it a well it was a good strike, but I don't think that was going to be the, the moment to sort of get a win for it either side. And um, yeah, how was your feelings like when that went in? Yeah, well, it wasn't great, obviously. Um, it was always going to be really tight. And I actually said to one of the girls at half time, I was like, I can see this finishing nil nil the way it's going. They're kind of cancelling each other out. Both good teams, Oxford played some good football as well. 
Um, so it was, a, it was a good game in terms of matchup. Um, they just had the edge in the final third and they got that. Well, I mean, it was a chance, but they finished it. Um, and we, like like you both said, didn't have many chances at all. And it has been a theme and I'm sure something that will work and go into next season um, to make it a good one. Yeah, and uh, Charlie, it was late on in the game as well. What were you thinking, you and Joe thinking on the touchline, thinking, are we going to be able to get back in this game? Are we going to be able to get the equaliser as a coach? What are you thinking? I think you just got to think about what can we control? And then you still have that belief in your players. And there's not one moment in this season in any game that we've been in where I haven't doubted that we can get back in a game. Because we've, we've, we've proved it plenty of times this season. Uh, Bridgewater, uh, a 90th minute winner from Lucy Egan off a set piece. Or would it be Tash Thomas? There might be a bit of a contestant on that goal. But, but yeah, there's, there's moments there. The Southampton Cup game. Um, you know, there's been plenty of uh, moments where, when needed, we've we've found the right play, be it on the defensive end or the attacking end. You know, to to get the goal or make the stop that gets the result in our favour. But like I said, if we want to be a more complete team um, and a team that dominates more games moving forward, we have to get the game management right. Um, a little bit better than we have done at times this year. And we have to dictate the tempo of the game and not let opposition gain any momentum. That's the best way for us to develop and control games moving forward, which is what we want to do. We want to dictate the tempo of a game, whether we have the ball or don't have the ball. That's our intention as a team moving forward. And obviously we're going to work really hard going into next season to make sure that that's what we do. Yeah, and uh, we're going to have amazing players like Blue Wilson and uh, Sophie Peskett back in the team, which I look forward to. And I'm sure we'll get into that um, next season. Of course, Blue will do a massive season review, looking at the ups and downs of this season. And um, before we get into quiz time, we're going to just, I want to talk about the home form and Gold Star as being our host this season. Um, I know we, we talk about the pitch, but as a whole, the Gold Star is a fantastic base for us to be at. Great training rooms, great clubhouse. Um, home form has been pretty decent as well. Um, maybe not as of late. There's been a few disappointing results and stuff like that. Um, but as a whole, how would you sort of reflect on our home form this year? Um, yeah, I mean, pretty good. I, I think we've seen the, the tail off um, at the end of the season, which is a shame. I think we all probably wanted to finish the season strong and we've got an opportunity to do that on Sunday against Pompey. But um, yeah, all round, I mean, it's our first season in Tier 3, um, we've got to be relatively happy. Yeah, we haven't achieved our ultimate goal, but we've learned a lot on, along the way and hopefully we can now put that into next season and achieve that ultimate promotion. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love the Gold Star. Um, I think it's got massive character. Um, and although we slate the pitch sometimes, it is, it is a great venue um, and has a great sweet shop as well, Ross. Oh, I've, been, I've been going in there recently. I only really found out. I don't know why I've not, Notice there's a sweet well, shop It's there, really but... good. It's dangerously yeah. good for us. Well, you can't see this because of the audio, but I've got, I've still got some from, from Sunday. Got a few little mini eggs in there and some um, fried eggs. Um, all good, all good. Um, Charlie, have, have you had to look at the sweet shop yet? Uh, only a passing glance because once I'm in, I wouldn't get out. So I need mm. to make sure that I stay out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, honestly, there's too many options. I'm, I'm just there like... 
for ages like what should i have what should i have all that 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 and yeah you've got to make sure make a snap decision do it um charlie as a whole gold star you know your first year at the club um being at the gold star what's it been like for yourself and um i'm sure it's a, a nice ground to sort of set up everything you know the training ground no, no, just, uh, the dressing room and just everything as a whole yeah it's a, it is it's got a like blue kind of pointed to it's got a lovely feel about the place there's a quaint little ground i think it's really family friendly um i think the local supporters obviously love it it's, it's kind of in a great location if you want to make a day of it in felix though you can watch the football then you can have a walk on the beachfront before or after the game you know it's it's in a nice little place um and i think it's a it's a ground that could definitely grow with us as a club i think where it is at the moment again the the pitch has to be better for where we're going and what we want and and actually it it will probably be a, a big part of our history moving forward but i don't know if we'll be there forever um because Obviously, we have ambitions to kind of play at the highest level possible. And I don't think Felix, though, will be able to meet that. But I think it could still play a big part in other areas of the club. So, for example, we could be hosting 21s games there, which would be great for the public to come and see our 21s team play in the future, potentially. Um, You know, because obviously we can't forget that they have supported us so far on this journey. And so we always want a little bit... Uh, a little bit of Felix Stowe sort of with us wherever we go in the future. But but it's been, yeah, it's been a lovely place to kind of work and kind of set up shop um, and, and invite opposition into. And, and for large parts of the season, it's been a really good fortress for us. As did. And um, Blue, just before we get into quiz time, you know, the fans have been incredible this year. Now a shout out to them, you know, 400 plus for the final home game of the season. Um, I'm sure they enjoy their little trips down to Felix. So um, a big shout out to them as always. Yeah, they've really grown with us this season. Um, unbelievable support. Even even when things haven't gone so so well, um, they've stuck by us and continue to stick by us. Um, so it's great to see from a player perspective that are not sort of getting at us for losing or for drawing or whatever, but they, they stick by us and support us no matter what. So, yeah, we've got a great fan base. And I truly believe it's one of the best, most committed in in women's football, especially at this level. Indeed, definitely the way trips. Oh, dearie me. Well, well done to all of you who go to Newcastle, go to Plymouth, Bridgewater, all those those trips we have to do. Um, okay, then, Blue, it's time for you to take the reins. Quiz master time. It's Charlie versus me. Who's going to win this week? Let's do it. Okay. So I've got three questions and then a tiebreaker if needed. Um, so obviously we're playing Portsmouth on Sunday. So a few of them are related to that. So the first one. Um, so back in January when we played Portsmouth at the Gold Star, uh, we drew one all. Tash scored a first half header. Um, it was after a corner. Who assisted that goal? So I've got four options for you. Bonnie, EK, Zoe Barrett, or Summer Hughes? Oh, normally I do my research on the Pompey preview, but for some reason I haven't done this week, so um, I haven't got the advantage mm. for you, Charlie. Um, but you're nodding. I feel like you you know this. He knows this, I feel. Um, I mean, I'm good at bluffing. Um, okay. <laughs> that's probably all I say to that, but we'll see, yeah. won't we? Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Header, 
just I can't remember. I can't remember the goal. I think it was just too cold that day. That was just so yeah. cold. Yeah. Um. Oh, Tash Heller. I'm gonna go. Actually, no. As you're a guest, Charlie, you can go first. I won't copy okay. you. Nice, Ross. Copy you. I'm gonna go Eloise. Okay. Ooh. I think it, I think it could be Barrett then. Or well, then who's Barrett? No, I'm gonna go Barrett. First answer. Okay. Correct answer is Ek. One point to Charlie. Did you know that then, Charlie? Do you remember it? I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Damn it. Damn double it. Bluff. Okay. Double bluff. Double bluff, pretty much. One deal. Okay, next one. Related to the WSL, actually. A bit of a random one. Um, but who's the top scorer in the WSL this season? Oh, have you got options? Got huh? Have you got options? I have got options, yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Ross, mainly, yeah. Um, so we've got Lauren Hemp, Sam Kerr, Viviana Miedema or Beth Mead? Oh, do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. Got two Arsenal players in there. Yeah. I do know all of those. I do have my, you know, women's football knowledge as well. I do know all those players. But who... Like, the obvious one is a standout one already. I won't say, because I know Charlie will know anyway. But, like, she scored a lot of goals. But has she scored as much this year than she normally does? Hmm. But then I think her. What are Ross's umming and ahhing? Charlie, what's your thoughts? Well, it's it's one of two for me. I just, I, I've got to be honest, I haven't been as focused on the WSL the past couple of weeks. So obviously, the score that list might have changed since I last checked it. So. I'm not 100% sure it's going to be 50-50 for me, but it's one of two people. I know that for sure. Okay. Is, is, Arsenal, is Arsenal top? Are they top at the moment? Or is it Chelsea? No. Between Arsenal and Chelsea, there's games in hand and yeah, it's, it's, it's tight. You're really tight at the top. I don't know. I'll, go, I'll go first because I'm, I'm losing and I may be 2-0 down. I'm okay. going to go with maybe, maybe one of Charlie's thoughts and that is Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr, interesting. I will uh, say Sam Kerr as well, Blue. It is Damn correct. It. Correct. She scored. Damn it. Yeah, she scored seventeen goals in seventeen yeah. games. Not bad stats. Wow. Not Decent. bad stats. Uh, Viv Miedema was second, twelve goals in nineteen games. I was thinking. But I was thinking Miedema her. Have more yeah. assists this year, I think. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. got a lot more assists. A lot yeah. more assists. Okay, I was so. Going- Sorry, I, didn't try. I was going down that line about Videmars because I know she scored loads like last year, didn't she? She like broke yeah. records last year, but I just felt maybe she hasn't scored as many this year. And I, I keep seeing like Sam Kerr stuff and goals out there, so I thought, yeah, it's got to be Sam Kerr. That's two one. Yeah. Go on, him. Both the ballers, to be fair. Yeah. Um, okay, third question relates a bit to us and the Golden Boot race. Um, so we've our top three goal scorers this season. So we've got Barrett, Lucy O'Brien, and Tash. How many goals have they got between them? So the total of their goals, how many have those three scored this season? That's a tough one. Mm. I should know Uh, this because I do the stats on our website. So advantage me here, but do I remember it? I'll give you two points if if you get it spot on. One point for closest. Mm -hmm. Current score, Charlie two, Ross one. 
Oh, I think I know. Do you? I think I do know. Yeah. I went first last. I went first last time. So yeah, I thought you'd do that. <laughs> uh, I've got to be honest. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think it's 20. 20 between them. Between them, all of them combined. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 20. I think. Okay. Ross is shaking his head. That is that is that is bad, Charlie. That is bad. <laughs> it's, it's. I think it's 37. Is it? It's 36. Oh, oh, so Ross, you've lost out on the point. <laughs> Ross, that would have been your win. <laughs> oh, we got a tiebreaker, have we? Yeah, we have got a tiebreaker. But I get, uh, I get a point for the closest. Yeah, closest you get, yeah, there. yeah. So you know, but yeah, um, Tash is leading with fifteen goals. Um, O'Brien's got eleven, and Barrett's just behind with ten. Oh, I thought for some reason I thought Tash has sixteen, but mm. my bad. Maybe, maybe you're just predicting the future. Maybe Sunday. Possibly. That's Possibly. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go with the tiebreaker. It's again, it's going to who whoever's closest wins. Um, so last time we played Portsmouth at Felixstowe in in Jan. So very cold in Jan. What was the attendance? Oh. Hmm. No idea. No. I'm <laughs> sure it's. Yeah, cold. It was the first game of the year, weren't yeah, it? I think it was like 9th of Jan. 9th of Jan. Mm. I remember it being quite packed. Yeah. Considering it was a winter game. I've got a figure in mind, but am I overshooting it or am I... I'll go, because I'll go first. I think it's, I think it's in the 400s. Four hundred and fifty-seven. Four hundred and fifty-seven. Okay, Charlie. Don't you dare, Charlie. Don't you dare. say five hundred. You say five hundred. Yeah, I'm gonna say five hundred. Five hundred. Okay, so our winner today is Ross Media UK. Woo! <laughs> boom! So boom! Had, boom! We had just under four hundred, so we're three hundred and sixty-seven. Turn up. Oh, Mark oh. Jack. Maybe it wasn't as packed as I thought it was then. <laughs> in one section, in one section, there's like no. Yeah, it might have been. I just, I just remember there were a lot of fans behind their goal. <laughs> so. Yeah, because yeah, Pompey, yeah. Pompey normally bring their, you know, they bring a few for the, you know, yeah. fans, but I'm sure they would have brought brought more probably in the summer when it's warm in Felix though, but not in January because it does get cold. Um, how, how has that been, Charlie? Been been at Felix though in the cold months. You get used to it. when you're outside in this sort of job you get used to the elements um what i would say compared to what i was used to back in birmingham the wind wasn't as cold as it is here so even if it might be a sunny day the wind is still cold (laughs) that coastal breeze still getting used to that a little bit definitely um blue fantastic quiz i'll let you sign off um yeah i'm champion this week i'm Pretty, yeah. pretty Congratulations, Ross. If you if you'd like to make a speech, um, is it yeah. a rare occasion for you to win? Is it? No, there's um, been yes. a few weeks of one. Oh, okay. I'd say sporadic, sporadic. Over yeah, yeah. Both of us yeah. on on you know great on these colours. No, but uh, no, I just want to say thanks everyone who supported me and uh, in your face, Charlie. 
the highest roles. Classy. Humble, humble as humble. always. Yeah. Yes, um, but it's now time a bit I'll give you a nice humbling, Charlie, because um, it's question time with you, my friend. Uh, talking about yourself, coaching as a man, eighteen months at Ipswich Town. Let's talk about the early life of Charlie. Um, have you always been into football, and where did you where did it begin for you? Did you play football as well? Yeah, I mean, my dad uh, in his younger years when I was a a boy as well growing up big sportsman played a lot of sport and obviously I kind of followed in his footsteps in terms of played a lot of sport at school and stuff and obviously football was always one of the main sports um, alongside you know cricket um, played a lot of badminton especially in secondary school um, but football was probably the, always the constant one and obviously my, my dad being an Arsenal fan I was inducted into that fan base quite early. Um, and again, I just I loved watching the sort of Arsenal greats growing up because um, around sort of my childhood, we, we had the sort of the latter years of the George Graham era and then we went into the Wenger years. So it was a good time to be an Arsenal fan. And, you know, growing up, saw people like Burkamp, Anelka, Vieira, Henri, Pires, Overmars. So... I was always quite lucky to support a team that always had really exciting footballers to watch. So it kind of always kept me engaged. There was a little period where I kind of still followed football, still played it at school, but but not so much outside of school. I had a little period where I got into my skateboarding for a little bit. I was quite en enthusiastic about doing that um, for a couple of years. But then after that, I kind of went back to football and got the bug to kind of play not just at school but outside in, in club football again um, and then yeah I think when I got to around leaving secondary school uh, one of my friends decided to go off and do a BTEC in sport at college and I was thinking well what shall I do and I just thought I'd copy him <laughs> so I followed him went and did the same and on that course there are a few sort of a little um modules on coaching and things like that and I kind of just because I love sports so much I just kind of got that interested me quite a lot and then when I sort of left um, college I then started to go and, and sort of seek opportunities to go and coach football and, and other sports and um, how did sort of how did you get into women's football in terms of coaching you know I don't know what if it's out there that often in terms of um just vacancies for a, for a club or anything like that? Did you ever look at going into women's football? Not really, but I think my I was more aware of girls and women's football probably after I left college. I took a gap year before I went to university and I just kind of um, did some of the sort of school coaching and then worked for a local company doing sort of private sessions and stuff. And then I went and applied for a job to go and work on this soccer camp scheme out in America called Challenger Sports. Um, and that was around about 2008. And I went out there and it was, obviously I was 19 years old at the time and it was a, it's a really, really good experience. And that's probably when I would say I really kind of um, got the coaching bug because you the stuff I was doing back in the UK before I went and started my degree was a lot more sort of, you know, you, you, you kind of just 
putting on a session for participation where when I went out to America, some of the camps I worked on, some of the um, teams I worked with over there really wanted to focus on improvement. Uh, and so that side of things really interested me. It was, even though it was kind of a grassroots level, they were still keen to learn and get better for a performance point of view. So that's where I always say where I probably really started to, to really start to coach and, and naturally out there at the time, and you know, uh, soccer was the number one youth sport in the country at the time. So a lot of the kids all played it growing up because obviously American football is a bit too, um, shall we say, aggressive for the little ones. <laughs> um, and then obviously there's a, there's always been a massive, um, a massive participation from girls and women over there. Um, and I just got into coaching a lot of girls teams over there and thoroughly enjoyed it because they were really competitive and serious about playing soccer as they call it in the States. Uh, and kind of when I came back, obviously I went and did my degree and I kept going back uh, doing this summer camp thing for the next three years as like a summer job. Um, I then ended up doing almost 10 months out there in Cincinnati. So again, that was probably the next level where I was based with teams, um, working with them every day, um, boys, girls, girls, teams, mixed teams. Um, and that's where it, it kind of just became normalised to me, where maybe it wasn't so much in this country at that time that, that girls play football and they play it very well, you know. So it, I kind of just became... Well, girls and boys play it. Some are good, some are not so good. Whether they're a girl or a boy is irrelevant. Um, and then when I came back from from that sort of stint of, of living in America and working out there, uh, I started my master's degree. And during that period, an opportunity came up to um, work on what they were calling at the time an FAPDC, Girls Player Development Centre. Because um, I needed to get some coaching experience for for doing my master's degree. And it was one of the first things came up. And obviously, because my experience of working with girls teams in America, uh, I managed to sort of get that position and was working with um, a lot of girls within Coventry, um, some really talented ones. And then kind of just went from there, really. Um, finished my master's degree, or should I say finished the sort of teaching element of it. Uh, it took a couple more years to actually pass and submit my research project, but I got a job at West Brom working in the community. And at the same time, I also got a job working with the girls uh, RTC at West Bromwich. And then and that, from there, really, I've been fully involved in, in girls football. Yeah. And um, I'll let you take away blue. Any questions you want to add to, to Charlie? Yeah, I just want to um, ask about the transition, actually. Obviously, you mentioned um, youth football quite a lot, and that's how, I guess, most coaches start their careers. But that transition where you moved to Birmingham, um, I'm guessing had some experience with the youth team there, but then transferred to the first team. What, what was that like for you as a coach, um, for your development? I guess there was quite a few changes. Um, it's a good question. And I'm just going to come back with a question just so I understand it fully. So mm -hmm. when you talk about the transition, are you talking about how did it feel 
to go from coaching youth players to senior players specifically or just in general? No, yeah, yeah. I, I'd say specifically what, but as, but for you as a coach, because um, I guess you're now coaching adults who are a similar age to you rather than smaller kids who are sort of younger. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more mature athletes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I had. I had a very good relationship with the at technical director, uh, who is Mark Skinner, who is now the Manchester United manager. I had a very good relation with him when he was the Birmingham City uh, technical director for the RTC. <clears throat> um, he was a great mentor to me at the time, um, still is in many ways, although we don't speak as much as we used to. Um, but he was just great at kind of bouncing ideas off and, and he seemed to really like some of the things that I would throw at him um, in terms of ideas. I think he liked the way I would coach um, the girls. And I was really focused on a lot, making sure that the individuals were developing within the team. So he kind of liked that approach and he asked me to come and do it when he got offered the, the Birmingham City Women's Manager's job. He wanted me to come up and support him with that and really focus on making his players better. So kind of taking what I'd done in the youth teams up into the senior team. And obviously at the time it was, you know, I was probably 26, something like that. I think, I can't remember now, um, 26, 27. Yeah, maybe 26 can't even keep track of how old I am but um yeah I mean I was I was a young coach to be stepping into the senior team at, at that point and having a big responsibility to look after senior players like Ellen White um Aoife Mannion you know um Hayley Ladd um Keris Harrop you know Emily Westwood so there were there were there were really really kind of big characters lots of experience in the game and stepping into that environment for the first kind of month or two you know I remember the first session when Ellen turned up she just come back from an international camp um, and I was kind of I was nervous I was I was nervous because I'm like I'm, I'm coaching Ellen White she's one of the best forwards in the world you know um, but I think I always believed in my ability to coach at that level and it wasn't always smooth sailing. I had some rough roads and had to learn some lessons like we all do. But I think once I built a good rapport with the players and they really understood that I might not be the finished article in terms of a coach, if, if there is such a thing, same for players really. But I think once they understood that I was really willing to help them and really cared about them and their development as an individual uh, and about helping the team perform, they just wanted to work with me um, for the benefit of their development and, and sort of the team's development at the time as well. And I think once you kind of get over that sort of barrier and you build a rapport with the people you're working with, because at the end of the day, they may be a footballer that may have some sort of status attached to them in terms of the, the football culture. But everybody's a person at the end of the day. And once you know how to tap into that, 
I think it's easy to understand how to work with people and what makes them tick. And I think once that was established with a lot of those players, I became more comfortable working with them. And then obviously just grew as a coach in that environment and I was given more responsibility. Um, and that's kind of led me to kind of the experiences that I had at that club and then where I am now. And you, you mentioned responsibility. You know, you were interim manager for a while with Birmingham in the Super League. I'm sure that was a lot of pressure at the time. Unfortunately, a lot of things were going on with Birmingham. We won't get into that. But um, what was that experience like doing that? Yeah, it was great. I mean, around that time, I was at the club for about five, six years. And I've been working in the first team for about three years. And again, each year, my role had progressed a bit more from obviously being a, just a first team coach to then assistant manager. And then, then you're suddenly in charge of, of the team. And, you know, I'll always be thankful for Birmingham for, for the opportunities that they afforded me. And at the time, there were some great staff there, some really good players as well that are, are kind of playing in the WSL and other leagues and stuff. So it was, it was a really good place to kind of, for me, to ply my trade as a young coach because there were a club at the time that would get off, give opportunities to younger coaches um, like myself. And it was, yeah, it was a difficult season. We had that season in terms of we had a good squad, but it was a good squad that had had a manager that had departed halfway through the season. And that had kind of created a bit of doubt around what direction are we going in now? Because under Mark, we, we had a clear direction of where we were going and what we were doing. And obviously, when Mark decided to go to Orlando and don't begrudge him for one moment, him taking that opportunity to benefit his career and his family, um, he kind of left people with a lot of sort of answers about what's what's the direction of this club. And I think when things like that happen, it can kind of unsettle a group. And then obviously, Marta Tejador came in and she was an extremely insightful woman. And, and again, I, I enjoyed actually working with her. I thought she she brought a different way of, of coaching to what the girls had previously experienced under Mark. But I think it's a very, very, very difficult thing to do to come in halfway through a season where you're really successful under one manager and then you're a new manager that's come from another country, another culture, speaks a different language and you kind of got to pick up where that manager left off. And I think it was in some ways she was always going to find it really difficult to win the players over and I just don't think she ever managed to do that unfortunately despite her best efforts um, and obviously with that performance is slumped and she was she was um, relieved of her position and then I was asked to sort of take over until there was more clarity on the direction of who's going to lead the club moving forward and obviously at the time because of the work I'd personally done and the relationships I had with a lot of the players and staff there, I wanted to make sure that I could, you know, when you're called upon, I think there is a time that you need to answer the call. And I did, and I did my very best during, it was a very difficult period for the club, especially when we went into lockdown and there was a lot of unknowns and uncertainties um, to try and manage it and steer the club in the best direction, given where we were at the time. Um, it was just 
from from my own personal sort of experience and development i was just very unfortunate not to actually get a competitive game in but having said that i still enjoyed the experience um i think i really managed to help and and develop players in a different way during that period and, and i've got some good connections with the players through the, from having that experience with them that, um who were at the club at the time um and yeah so that that's kind of what that experience was like obviously it would have been nice to obviously have a competitive game i did have one friendly uh, against leicester which we won so in terms Not of games bad. played of 100 percent for Birmingham, yeah. boom. <laughs> boom. boom and i was going to bring you in blue quickly now and um we're talking about charlie you know jordan football club uh blue as a player you know when a new coaching star come in, I'm sure you do your research. You talk to Joe about who you're bringing in. What was your, put you on the spot as always on the podcast, but what was your thoughts when you saw Joe coming in? I'm sure you checked his, his CV and go, what's he done? Who's he been with? Oh, decent. <laughs> um, I wasn't actually part of Charlie's sort of um, trial session. So I remember it was the other side of Playford Road. So it was hmm. uh, not where we normally train. Um, and I was just coming oh, back. It was cold that day as well. That was cold. That was really cold. Uh, yeah, so I was coming back from a little niggle so I was just running by the side of the pitch sort of taking into account what's going on and stuff like that so I didn't get a massive feel for it um but I know the girls had a another another woman who came in to coach as well and we were sort of chatting after and everyone was like yeah Charlie's the one um but yeah no I think when Charlie come in with CV like you have and the experience that you have it's really encouraging I think we were all excited the, the fact you've been a lot of places and especially the WSL you've got that experience which Joe lacks um so a nice compliment I think um but it sort of leads on to another question actually Charlie for you um in terms of obviously you've experienced WSL you've been an interim manager um you've lived and breathed that when you compare that to Ipswich and where we're at now do you see the environment that you coach in at, at Birmingham as somewhere we can get to or put potentially compete with um because obviously our ultimate goal is to reach the top um but can you see steps that we can take obviously we're not we're nowhere near yet there yet but as a pathway can is it is it doable um i think i think there's always potential for any club to do it and i think to the short answer to your question is yes this club can do it but i think going back to my previous point about any club with the right strategy and mindset and then determination and then a little bit of luck and backing can do it. And then, yeah. And I think one thing in my experience that, that we as a club have to understand is, is the context of our situation in comparison to other clubs. So for example, if we're going to use Birmingham and Ipswich as a comparison, the West Midlands talent pool is far, far bigger than Suffolk and Norfolk's. So, the way in which we recruit and develop players is going to be fundamentally different if we if we if we sort of doing that from a local area. Um, you know, when we were at Birmingham, we had players that we could get from you know um, Warwick, um, Derbyshire, Leicestershire, West Midlands, East Midlands, even London if we wanted to. Um, Whereas, and that's quite a large catchment area when you consider the, the level of clubs that are in and around that area, you know. Whereas in, in Suffolk, while we've got Cambridgeshire, Essex, Norfolk, um, obviously Suffolk, Bedfordshire, 
uh, counties like that, if we compare that talent pool to what it was like when it was at Birmingham, it's it's not as strong yet. And so we have a responsibility, in my opinion, as a club to nurture the talent pools around us to ensure that we can have a long-lasting talent pool and raise the standards of, of girls' football in the area. But then equally, we have to be quite savvy about how we recruit not only players but staff um, and then understand what our limitations might be. I think it's for me, it's never a bad thing to understand what your limitations are because then you know how to work with your limitations or around them, if that makes sense. Um, and while we might not be in a position where we could get loads of really strong players that are local to us, like we could do at Birmingham, it's about how do we get players that are maybe out of region or how do we best develop the ones in region to make sure that we can be strong in recruiting local talent to play for our first team, which is what this club has always done and probably will always do. And then on top of that, it's understanding, like Joe has probably spoken about many times before, it's it's phases of the project. So what phase of the project are we in now? Well, we're in the phase now where we're trying to grow and mature as a club and a team so that we can become um, a championship level club and then making sure that when we get to that level, because I do think it's a question of when, we then have the ability to become sustainable at that level. And then once we become sustainable at that level, it's about then understanding how can we then get to the next level? And if we do, what does that look like? And how do we become sustainable in that level? Um, and I think once you have a plan, a strategy and a vision, like I said, most clubs with the right determination and those things can achieve a certain levels of success within the women's game. I think the problem with the women's game with a lot of clubs across the country is the short-term vision. You can't have a short-term vision in the women's game um, because there just isn't the financial ability to have that kind of approach. Um, so we have to be a lot more strategic in how we're going to grow as a club. Um, and we need to make sure that that vision is brought into by the fans, the players, the staff and the club as a whole and obviously the owners. And if we get that, then I think we can start to implement and start building towards becoming um, a better version of what we are. <clears throat> Well said, my friend. And um, we're going to wrap up question time with yourself by just sort of getting your reflection on your, f you know, first year, 18 months in the club, you know, your first full season as well, um, us in tier three and your other roles you do as well. Because it's not just the first team, you do the under-21s, the ACC, you've got a lot of jobs, you've got a lot of hands in different pies, which is always good as a coach, you've got to do that. Um, but of course, it's I don't know how you guys remember names and people and just the staff you have to work with. And how has it been working with Joe as well this this past 18 months? Yeah, I mean, Joe's Joe's a great guy. He's a, he's a really, really good coach. Uh, great, great leader, certainly. Um, and he was one of the main reasons that I was attracted to this club in the first place, because having met him on um, an FA conference, I really was inspired about kind of the vision that he had for this club and, and kind of the way he spoke about what he was doing. So I was always interested and 
I think when the opportunity arose to come and be a part of that and work more closely with him, I think it was something that I was always interested in doing and, and thankfully I've had the opportunity to do that. I think um, since I've been here, obviously we were in lockdown and no senior football when I started. So it was probably a little bit easier to kind of acclimatise because I had less work to do at the time in some ways because certain things weren't going on which meant we could focus on coaching the players establishing those relationships and then establishing how me and Joe and the rest of the staff work I think this year there's been a lot of things that um, have kind of needed mine and Joe's attention perhaps because of that we haven't been able to work as closely together as we would have liked to and I'm hoping next year that we get a couple of things that we're planning to, to to kind of do to build on like i said the infrastructure of how we're operating as a club then hopefully we can work even closer together which means it's just going to benefit the team and, and the players in the club so so yeah there's there's been challenges within that um but yeah one of my roles coming in as well was obviously to kind of improve our youth pathway um from sort of you know the 10 to 16 into our 21s program and then naturally improve the provision and performance of our 21s program as well so yeah with that there's been like you say lots of different roles lots of fingers in pies and stuff so i've been pretty much an education lead at some uh, at some point which is something i've never done before and got to be honest uh, you know sometimes I wouldn't say winging it a little bit, but I'm having to do a lot of research to understand what I'm doing in that because it's something I've never done before um, and is out of my comfort zone, which is a good thing in one way. Um, and then obviously making sure that um, we're looking after the coaches that coach um, our youth programme, uh, who are a great group of staff, and make sure we can continually improve that pathway and, and sort of, better align what we're doing at the bottom of the pyramid towards the top of the pyramid, which was being the senior team. Um, so yeah, I've got still only touched the surface on what I want to do here. There's still a lot more um, I want to kind of put into place, work on and, and hopefully achieve in, in the next year or two. Um, and hopefully we can do that and then the club will better support us in being able to do that moving forward. That is the quote for this podcast right there. Um, Blue, any other questions for Charlie before we look ahead to the final game of the season? Oh, it feels sad to say that, but uh, it's probably going to be a relief for some people as well to say, yeah, it's been a long old season. I know. Um, no, no more questions. It's been really nice to sort of get an insight into coaching that side of things rather than just the sort of WSL experience from a player's perspective. So that's, yeah, it's been really insightful. Indeed. Well, thank you very much, Charlie. And um, how are you feeling then, Charlie, for the final game of the season away at Pompey? Uh, what can you remember from the game we did play them on the cold January? Tash score in the goal, 1-1 draw. What can you remember from the Pompey side? Well, we've played Pompey a couple of times over the past sort of 18 months. Um, we had a friendly against them last year um, to kind of give us a first bit of taste of what Tier 3 football would look like. And, uh, and I was really impressed with them at that period. And I think, and I know the manager, Jay, quite well. And I don't think he would disagree with me 
in, in me saying that they've perhaps maybe been a little bit underwhelming at times this year and maybe have not done as well as everybody thought they would have done um, because they're a good team. Um, the staff there are good. Jay, Jay's a good manager. And they've got, like, similar to Oxford, they've got a lot of experience in that team. And, and obviously they've got some really good players that have done some really good things on an individual front this year. But for whatever reason, I think they've just had a few results here and there that have, have kind of sort of stopped them from gaining any real momentum in order to build points and climb up the table. Um, but look, I'm expecting it to be a difficult game um, and we're going to need to be at our best to, to go there and get a result. Um, and again, we, we really want to finish the season with three points um, so we can sign off in a real positive way and obviously give the fans to a good memory to close the season on um, given the past couple of weeks definitely and uh, Blue how are you feeling going to this one the final game of the season away at Pompey um, seventh in the league at the moment Pompey I think that's where they're going to be finishing um, so mid-table for them um, what can you remember from that 1-1 that draw yeah I think it's always going to be a, a tough game against Portsmouth um, like Charlie said um, seventh probably I don't know, they've had a stop-starty season. So, you know, teams who play against us normally show up. Um, we seem to be a team that sort of people really get up for. Um, so I think it'll be a really tough game, actually. And obviously, they'll they'll want the same thing to finish the season on a high, um, as do we. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to do... We'll have to work hard for the three points. But hopefully, fingers crossed, we can finish the season on a positive... Definitely. And, and Charlie, um, final word really is, what, what would you like to see from this final game, from, from the players, from coaching staff point of view? You know, of course, three points, a win, happy days, but anything else you'd like to see just to finish the season off on a high and bring momentum into next season? Goals. Yeah. Yes, I second that. Yeah, I think, I think we could do with a little bit of um, reckless abandon, to be honest. I think, like I said, we're, we're a solid team, we're difficult to beat, but maybe we could... I'd like to maybe see the the team have a little bit more of a attacking intent, real desire to go score goals, um, and if that creates a bit of an end to end game at times, so be it. But I think we have to kind of have that experience so we understand how we can manage that, but also prove that we can go and create quality chances and score goals in games because it's something that we've lacked over the past couple of games. Yeah, we have done and uh, hopefully we'll see some goals against Pompey. Um, Blue, it's been another fantastic podcast. It's been a pleasure. I shall let you take over to outro, Charlie. Thank you very much, my friend. Take away, Blue. Yeah, so first, thanks to Ross uh, for the co-host. Congrats on the win. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, it's been, it's, I really enjoyed this pod. Um, it's been really nice to hear some insight into your experiences, Charlie. So thanks for sharing. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will find it very interesting to find a book. Out a bit more about you so thanks for that hope you've enjoyed it um i'm sure we'll get you on um again soon but yeah thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you after the portsmouth game from true crime to football brexit to football more great podcasts from archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
ice cream auction head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archer